I'm Ryan Nidell, host of 15 Minutes to Freedom, your daily action guide to getting shit done. Do me a favor, and if you consistently, or this is your first time consuming content, and you find value in my words, drop me a five-star rating. I don't even care if you don't want to leave a written review. Just do something to help me get more people to listen to the show. It'd be great if you find value to also share this on social media. My handle is Ryan Nidell on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and anywhere you can consume content. Today's episode is Never Forget. So in today's episode, I want to take you back into a previous time in my life where you know things were just kind of trudging along in a very normal fashion until they stopped. And why being mindful of what's going on around you will have massive impact in the future of your life. So I'm going to take you back to the senior, my senior year of high school. You know, it's a, a brisk Tuesday morning. And I remember you know, getting in my, at that point I had a, gosh, I think a 1999, maybe a 2000 Chevy Malibu. It was dark navy blue with this atrocious light gold pinstripe on it. Had a spoiler on the back. And, and I was the guy in high school that had had to have a system in my car. Like I, and I couldn't, much like I am now, I couldn't do anything partway. I had to have what was the loudest system that I could come up with. So when I say loudest system, like I had two subwoofers that were 15-inch subwoofers. I believe were made by JL Audio back then. And it took up the entire trunk of this Chevy Malibu, which is ridiculous. Like I bought this, bought these speakers from a guy named John Gad. John Gad was going to college and knew that if he took these speakers with him out of his, gosh, I think it was Mercury Topaz maybe, that his car would for sure get broken into and they wouldn't be there. So I worked and worked and worked and saved the money and bought this system from him. And this system, like I had the the CD player that would, you know, come come out like there was a screen that would come out like Fast and the Furious style where you could touch it and you know select different things like truly next level stuff for for back when I was in high school my senior year. You know, gosh, I think it was two thousand and one. And so I remember, you know, it's it's football season. I played football my senior year, and it's. You know, obviously our games are always on Friday. We didn't have practice Saturday or Sunday. We watched films or whatever we did on Saturday. Mondays were pretty much walk through. And I remember just like being not happy about having to go to practice on Tuesday because it was the first time like we're going to have full pads and fucking hit each other. And it was just not going to be enjoyable. And back then, again, this in this September, this, this brisk September day, it's Fast and the Furious had just come out or was pretty close. And like I, I had slapped on this dual tailpipe onto the Chevy Malibu, this dual exhaust, but it was just a tail. It was just like the tip. It wasn't the actual pipe. And I remember drilling a hole in the bottom of the muffler to make sure like I could bolt it in this super tacky. And it would rattle when I had the system up loud. And that's just what I was into. And, and I say the fast and furious because it was, that was back before MP3 players were present. And again, it was MP3 players. It wasn't iPods or anything back then. Like iPhones didn't exist, or if they did, it certainly didn't exist in my world. And so what had happened was like I put in this Fast and Furious soundtrack CD and I'm like playing a, a, a Ja Rule song. Like I remember it. Like it's crazy, the, the, the remembrance that I have. And it's rattling the tailpipe. And at that point, I, I don't think I was picking up anybody for school. I think the girl that I was starting to date at that point, no, she, she had her own car. She lived on the other side of town, so it was just me. 
just driving to school. And literally, like that was how I would wake myself up in the morning. Like I didn't have the regimented schedule that I have now. It was like the polar opposite. Like if I had to be at school, I think it again, I'm gonna make up a time, eight fifteen or so was a tardy bell. Maybe it was seven forty five. it doesn't really matter now. But like I would turn I would wait till I got out of the neighborhood and I would turn the remote gain up so loud that the first bass note would hit on these two fifteens. And it would knock my mirror sideways. Like my rear view mirror would completely pivot and, and spin to the side. And eventually this system was so loud back then that it ended up cracking the windshield in the car. Like I remember John Gad used to, there was a point where he, he figured out a way to give the system enough power in his topaz that it made his ears bleed. Like that, that was what this was. Like this is who I was as a senior in high school. So I'm driving to school. I'm listening to this Ja Rule you know, song. On, on repeat, again, nothing works like extremism in my life. And it's, you know, pissed off about football, excited to see my girlfriend in the halls or whatever it would be, and park in the senior parking lot. Like, it was a big deal. You get there early enough, and as a senior, like the rest of the, I'll call it the peasants in, in our high school pecking order, had to park in this gravel parking lot. But if you had a parking pass and you got to school early enough, you could park in the senior parking lot, which was paved. And much like I am now, but even more back then, I was so anal retentive about my car. The guy I worked for, like I took care of all of his cars and motorcycles and stuff that he had, he had. So I was all my car was always detailed, like always washed, always waxed. You could have let, literally like eaten off the door sills if he needed to. And so I certainly never wanted to park in the gravel parking lot. So got to school in time, and I remember like as I would pull in, I would turn down the radio, and it was always like this. I don't know how it was in your school, but in my school, it was like all of us jackasses, like as we got to school, we'd have to show how either fast or loud or whatever our cars were, and none of us had good cars. Like I don't remember anybody consciously that had like a phenomenally awesome car, and it wasn't that my Chevy Malibu was bad. It was actually a leased car, so it was almost a current body or current model year, but because my parents had gotten divorced and my mom had put so many miles on it, driving my sister and I back and forth to meet my father, we had to switch, so I had a Mercury Sable. It was like the silver, the ones that look like eggs, like the really weird, rounded, like flowy models. Like my silver Sable looked like an egg. So she was driving that. I was driving her car. System in there pounding, pulling the senior parking lot, get out and like just walk into school. And it's no big deal, like right, like it's a, just another Tuesday. Tardy bell goes off, and I'm sitting in my first period, and you know I remember back then if, if I'm if I'm I'm 100% right. I had social studies. Like, that's how I started my day. And in this social studies class, admittedly, high school was almost a joke to me. And not because I was that, like, intelligent. Just our, I didn't feel like our high school was that challenging. So I could kind of really just dick off. Like, I had a, a reasonable level of intellect that I could pass all my classes and, and get good grades. Like, I graduated with, like, a 3.9 or something like that, 3.8. But I didn't have to work that hard. So I'm sitting in social studies, and... It's just, you know, my, our social studies teacher was actually our, our high school football coach, uh, Capel, Dave Capel, Coach Capel, who ended up being Division II Coach of the Year that year. Like, we had an awesome team, but that's, that's a whole other story for a whole other deal. So I'm sitting in Capel's class, and if, if I remember correctly, like, we're talking about football for the first part of the class. Like, I had our star quarterback in my class and all these people. Like, it wasn't. Our, our first period was definitely a shit show. And if you're somehow related to the Lexington City school systems, don't, don't begrudge him for this. It was just this particular day. I'm sure it wasn't always like this. That's just a story I told myself. And like fast forward and it we're, you know, the, the class is going on and, and everything like that. And 
like it's it's just after 8:45, like probably close to 8:50. Like it, it's just in the period of time where the bells are going to change. Like we have to change classes, and like people come through the halls and like tell us to turn on a TV, and it's super foreign because like we're we're not a super sophisticated school and we don't have, you know, great great things. Like again, it's 2001, so there there wasn't the the automation that there is in schools today. I remember looking at the internet because, of course, we at least had the internet there. It wasn't dial-up. It was, you know, modem-based. And a plane had been ran into the World Trade Center. Like, I remember it being on the TV, and the TV is there, and, like, we didn't see the first plane hit, obviously, and it's it's just this burning building, and, like, there's just confusion. Was it a plane? Was there an explosion? Like, what happened between, what is the 90 and the 96th floor? And then as we're watching this in class, like, they don't let us switch classes. So it's like this state of panic, like chaos, like what's going on? That you, we actually sit there and we watch and we see the second plane hit the building. And I don't know that as a senior in high school, I could have fully appreciated the magnitude of what was going on. Like the day had started out like every other day. You know, loud system, brisk September day, thinking about football practice, thinking about my girlfriend, thinking about everything else other than what was about to happen. Because how could any of us? Like none of us saw this coming, and so you're wa- like watching this, and it's it's still not sinking in. And admittedly, I don't know that it sank in for years to come for me, because sure, I understand the magnitude of the people that have passed. At that point, I'd never been to New York City, and I had no appreciation for what that city really was. I certainly had no appreciation for what the World Trade Centers were, or the magnitude in, in, of the buildings themselves. You know, since then, obviously, I've been to. I shouldn't say obviously, but since then, I've been to New York City. More times than I could count. It's certainly not one of my favorite cities in the country. But I've gotten or had the opportunity to spend time at the World Trade Center sites, like the memorials, and you know, walk through what those are and see the holes in the ground and understand like the true magnitude, the best that one's able to, from seeing what's there now. And so that that September, that Tuesday in September continues on and like I understand more throughout the day as flights are canceled and you know you can't get a hold of anybody and all these things are going on, just how different the world is going to become. And I had traveled a few times. I'd flown a couple times. And gosh, for some of you younger listeners, like there was a time in life where there weren't really metal detectors at airports. You certainly didn't have to take off your shoes. Like you just kind of you just kind of walked in. I think I can almost. I'm probably lying with this. It's not intentionally. I almost remember a time being really young. Where there was like smoking somewhere at least inside the airport. Maybe not on an airplane, but it was like just a different time. Where everybody wasn't so hyper vigilant. And so I remember having to travel for something at some point. Like it wasn't for senior year or spring break, because myself and a bunch of other young, very studious gentlemen decided to hop in our buddy our, our buddy's parents' Toyota minivan and drive down to Palm Beach. No, not even Palm Beach. Panama City, Florida for spring break. We drove cross country. It was like eight of us in this minivan that was only supposed to carry six. It was a phenomenal time. But I'm traveling and remembering how different it was, like the hours it would take to get through an airport when all this stuff first started. And realizing at this point that, like, as because I didn't know people in New York City and because it wasn't relevant to me and because I didn't understand financial services and because I wasn't actively playing in the stock market and because my life was so constricted to just this little town in Lexington slash Mansfield, Ohio, it didn't mean anything to me. 
and it didn't mean anything until it did. And it, when it did, it was because it was an inconvenience. You know, like flying was now a pain. And the way we fly now is still, you know, a pain for most of us. And sure, there's whatever the fast passes and the, the things that get you to the front of the line and, you know, TSA pre-check. But you look at all these things that have went on since then that we get frustrated about, or at least I do as, as someone that travels or used to travel very, very frequently, like the lines and the metal detectors and undoubtedly with either my size or muscularity or the amount that I sweat or whatever it is, I set off that 3D scanner 100% of the time and they're going to pat down every crevice of my body. Like it's not one of those things of like, oh, it looks like you got a you know, little orange mark on your wrist. Like it's my groin, it's my rear end, it's 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 everywhere possible. It glows orange, and I'm realizing today, as oddly enough, we record this podcast. It is September 11th. Like in seeing all the posts of like hashtag Never Forget, and I love it. Like I truly love it. You know, I, I just looked at Instagram before this, and 5.5 million people today. Hashtag on Instagram, never forget. Which is phenomenal. Like th- those, those families that have experienced the loss or the extended families or the friends that between the people on the planes and in the building and the first responders and just all the chaos that ensued after that. It's so impactful to see that. But what's crazy to me is if I go back a week And if I look at my notes of when I typed in never forget, it was less than 20,000 people. And so you look at situations like this, like I look at 9-11 and it's impactful because it matters today because of the anniversary. And we get all jacked up on never forget. Like this is the day that shaped, you know, current culture for us in the U.S. But really like we all then forget like tomorrow comes and sure there'll be some more like carryover, some more vigilance about this. And a week passes and some people will still be affected. But a month passes and it's no big deal. It's not present in your mind. Like there's a new thing to talk about. And I certainly don't believe in living in the past or, you know, focusing on things we can't change. But what I do believe in is keeping a, you know, conscious mindset of things that are impactful. And how that benefits our current society. Like you have this massive thing that happened that truly changed the landscape of not only the U.S. but a lot of the world. Change the financial services industry, change the stock market, change like all these ripple effects. And yes, it wouldn't be me if I didn't talk about the conspiracy stuff. Like I am a conspiracy theorist. Like I don't believe that all this stuff just happened, just complete happenstance. If, if you don't know what Anonymous is in fa- on Facebook, like it's a hacktivist group, like check out Anonymous one time on Facebook. I can't spell well, so it's like A-N-N, Anonymous, whatever. You'll figure it out. It's been a super long day today. But in this, like there's all these accounts on like really what it took. Like, okay, you have the, the chairman of the Federal Reserve that comes out the day before and says like they just lost whatever, you know, a billion dollars, like $1.6 billion just disappeared. Or maybe it wasn't the Federal Reserve. But I don't want to butcher what this is because then I'm not doing it as a service. But magically that money that just disappears is just never really spoken about again. 
because there's something to change our attention. But that, that attention changes until something else comes up and we refocus our attention on the next travesty. Like our attention never really stays focused on something for all that long. Like it stays focused until it stops serving us. Another great example of that is the Las Vegas shooter. And this is something that everybody's listening to this podcast has experienced. Like, I don't think you're an adolescent listening to this podcast. At least I hope not. It's certainly not meant for you. But like the Las Vegas shooter was sometime in the past year. We don't talk about that. Like I have friends in Columbus that were there at that concert that still can't go to a concert venue because they get nervous that that's going to happen again. So it's super relevant to them. Like they think about it often. When's the last time you thought about it? Like there's no answer for this. Like how did he get the guns up there? How did all these things happen? Did he do it alone? What's the real story? But because it's not brought up and because it doesn't serve the majority of the populace's agenda to have it be on the front of people's minds, it kind of disappears after the next big thing comes up. And I don't know that there's a right or wrong. Admittedly, I'll say that the other way. I don't know if the stories serve or don't serve me. Like never forgetting 9-11. I wouldn't want to live every day as though it was 9-11 in the pain and misery of what that day was for the people that were affected. What I would want to do is live every day like it's going to be possible to have that happen again. What I mean by that is if you knew you had the chance to have something really bad happen, would you spend more time like telling your loved ones that they matter and like explaining to them why you love them? Would you slow down just a little bit and appreciate all the magic and all the things that go on in life that we take for granted because they're just normal to us? Would we be more vigilant of all the things that go on around us because of being on a heightened alert for what could go wrong? I think of how impactful it would be if everybody that all 5.5 million people as of shooting this podcast that tagged hashtagged never forget if all of them spread the love appreciation honor were present in the moment every day as though they weren't actually going to forget September 11th how much different would the world be after 30 days how much different would the world be after 60 or 90 days like, it's crazy to me. Like we, we just, we talk about these things on the, on the day that it matters. And again, this was 2001, so there's a good chance that some of you younger listeners don't remember what you were doing. Like, it's crazy to finally start realizing that I'm getting older, that the, age, that the years that I've spent on the planet are adding up. Again, if you're 20 and you're listening to this, like you probably don't remember what was going on then. And I can appreciate that. Like it doesn't have that impact for you, but it does for me. Cause I remember all of that day to the best of my ability, even though it wasn't that relevant in the moment for me. And so you think about, like I said, all those things that we could do different to differently to truly never forget, to really honor that situation, to honor those people that can't ever tell their wives and husbands and kids and brothers and sisters that they love them again. But we don't do any of that stuff. At least the majority of us don't. 
we don't slow down and just say thank you and truly mean it. We wait in line at an airport and we get pissed off that it takes so fucking long to get on a plane when it's done for our own safety. I love my wife to death. She is the worst offender. Like when we travel, she gets so pissed off. Like, why are they patting me down? Why are they? Why does this take so long? Why is this line so big? Where's the additional help? Why? 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 Well, September 11th is why. Like it, with, when faced with the opportunity to have the opposite, to go back to how it was September 10th, 2011, 2001, sorry. To go back to the carefree, laissez-faire, walk into an airport, pay for your, your ticket, kind of just walk through a you know, general boarding area, not have it be a big deal. Would you want to travel that way? I wouldn't. Not after knowing there's a different opportunity, so... Why fucking complain about it? Why not be thankful and practice some gratitude in the moment for the fact that TSA, no matter how inept or apt they are at their job, that they're doing the best they can to protect us from ourselves. Because it's us that created these issues. And this is not a political tyrant. This isn't a religious thing. This isn't a any sort of, you know, secular type of conversation. This is simply the fact that like we created the things that we're now mad about. We created these issues. We as human beings. Like where in your life are you not living like today is 9-11? Like where are you actually forgetting when you said you'd never forget? Is it when you leave the house in a rush in the morning because you're late for work and you you don't think it matters to kiss your wife goodbye? Or you yell over your shoulders, you walk through the door like, see you later, honey, love you, and it just you just leave. But not knowing if you could ever actually make it home, would you do something differently? Maybe it's at the gym. You know, not so much in the physical fact of working out and just being present in that moment. And being vigilant of all the things that are going on around you, all the people in that environment, all the things that could go right or wrong. Are you presently there or do you have your headphones on and just focus on your own life? Taking selfies in the mirror for social media, making sure everybody knows you're working out. Or maybe it's at the office. I think about the people that looked out the window as the plane was barreling down at them at eye level. Realizing in that moment they can't go anywhere. There is no choice. It is over for them. The plane's not going to magically miss. They can't run to the exit. Like that moment of sheer terror and panic. But the fact we all come to work and we grumble about what we have to do that day and we focus on all the things we don't have instead of being thankful in that moment that you actually have the opportunity to come to work. And that there's not a plane barreling down at your window. And there's a pretty good chance your building's probably not going to fall down today. And the people that you've worked with for so long are not going to get trampled. So what I found is when you start living your days in true gratitude for what you have, instead of things that frustrate you that you don't have, day over day, you're able to get shit done.